In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And dear faithful, at the beginning of our Catholic catechism, the question is posed, why God made us? And this is one of those questions where we remember the answer for the rest of our lives. God made us to know Him, love Him, and serve Him in this life, so as to be happy with Him forever in heaven. And with this answer, we Catholics have something so fundamental that is taught to us about our lives. Perhaps the most important truth about your life, and that is that your life is not about you. Your life is about God. That's why you're made. And we have to to try to reflect deeply upon this truth all throughout our lives and live up to this truth. If, if we are to have a happy life, if we're going to be holy in this life. So let's just try today to think a little bit about the consequences of this fact that we are made for God. The first thing that surely must come to our minds when we reflect that that God made me for himself is that God must love me. God must love me considerably if he's going to make me for the greatest thing possible, which is to be with him forever. Why does he love me? I don't know. I can't answer that question. You can't answer that question. Of ourselves, we are nothing. It's not like we already existed and we pleaded with God, please love me. That's not the way it happened. We were nothing. And God chose me, God chose you, out of all possible creatures, to exist. And he left behind so many other millions, billions of possibility, possible human beings that he could have made exist, but chose not to. And this is because he loves you. And the test of our life, as a consequence, if this is the reality, the test of our lives is whether or not we will return that love. There's something, I think, in, in all of us where we, we have moments where we, we do want to give ourselves to God. We have those moments where, where we are very conscious of the fact that we are creatures of God, that we receive everything from Him. And that as a result, it's, it's only right and just and logical for, for us to, to try to give ourselves back to Him. Give ourselves as, as much as we can to God. But then the complexities of life come along and sort of cloud over that insight, which is really the insight of our childhood, the insight of our innocence, that, that just gets worn down over time by stuff. We could say, we find it difficult to place our soul in, in the true state in which it really is. That, that state where I'm a child of God. I'm a creature of God. I exist because of God. I receive everything because of God. To, to dwell in that constant awareness of that fact, that fundamental fact of, of all of our existence and therefore to, to respond to that fact by saying, what, what better thing can I do in my life 
then live for Him. What could possibly be more important than to live for God? Nothing. We know that, that when our Lord was approached and He was, he was asked, well, what, what should I do to, to get to heaven? His, his answer was, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, thy whole heart, thy whole soul, thy whole mind, and thy whole strength. You need to give yourself to God completely as possible. That's the whole of the law. But, but when we hear that word law, we, we, some, we somehow think that, that um, it's, it's like the, the, a law of the state or something where, where, where the, the legislature just sort of makes up something in order to preserve the common good. And we, we don't realize that this is a law of our being. God is, is not just expressing something that he wants. He's expressing something that actually exists. This is a reality that... The, the demand for you to love God is the law for your happiness. It's what you're made for. It's an expression of what you're made for. And well, God has done his part. He, he has loved us into life. He, he has chosen us to exist. And he's doing his part right now. He, he shows us heaven. He, he comes down in the blessed sacrament. He gives himself to us um, and under the species of, of bread and wine to nourish our souls, to lead us to him. And there remains our response. We have to do our part. We have to offer our lives to him. And there's something that in this that, that, that we find difficult. When, when, let me say when we're confronted with this reality in such a stark way, there is something in us that, that moves. There's also something in us that, that kind of holds back. Um, we, we don't like the fact sometimes, because of our fallen nature, that our life is not about ourselves, that our life really is about God. There's something in us that wants our life to be about me. And for our happiness to be in our own desires, our own goals, our own selves. And so what, what, we, what we can tend to do, even, even if we've been Catholics our whole life, even if we've been striving to be good Catholics, what, what we can tend to do is, is try to appropriate life. Try, try, try to take the life that, that God has given us, and instead of living that life for the purpose that He has set for that life, to live it for our own purposes, purposes that I have decided. I don't want to have someone else to decide what I'm made for. I want to decide what I'm made for. I want to be made for this. I want to be made for fame or for pleasure, for glory, or for money, for whatever it may be. That's what I want to be made for. Why do we do this? I think, you know, we all have our moments. Why do we try to appropriate this, this life and trump God's design, make ourselves to be made for something far less than, than what God has made us for? I think there's many reasons why we might do this, but they would all boil down to one core reason, and that's somehow we don't think that, that the God who gave us our whole existence um, our life, our family, all of our joys, that somehow 
this God who is, who is the source of the little happinesses that we had here below, somehow he's not able to be our ultimate happiness. Somehow he's, he's not able to completely fulfill us. That we would actually be more fulfilled in pursuing some other petty happiness besides God. And so we look for happiness in things that are not God. We commit sin. This is what it means to sin. Look at the Pharisee in today's gospel. Um, He's a perfect example of this. He's a prince of the Pharisees. He's, He's like a leader among the religious leaders. The Pharisees were the religious, they were the religious teachers, they instructed people. And their very job, the purpose of their job is to lead people to God. That's their job description. That's his line of work. But that's not what he's doing. That's, that's not what they are doing. Rather, what he's doing is he's using his position of religious authority to acquire for himself power, fame, glory, respect. He's using his position of religious authority for his own purposes, for his own selfish purposes. He's making his life to be about himself, though he's been created for God, and really his job is to lead people to God. And so when, when our Lord cures this poor man who's all swollen up with disease, the Pharisees are not asking themselves, does this give glory to God? Or does it not give glory to God? They're not asking themselves that question. They're asking, does this give glory to me? And the answer is no. And so they don't like it. They're not happy. They're not living their life to know, love, and serve God. They're doing it to serve themselves. So even though their their job is to, to give glory to God, they're not happy when God's glory is served right in front of their face. What that Pharisee should have done when our Lord came in is, is said, my house is your house. Mikasa sukasa. My house is your house. You can do whatever you want here for the glory of God. If you want to work wonderful, wonderful miracles for the glory of God, I'm, I'm very happy with that. You do as you will in my house. Consider what, what would have happened Now, you know, 2,000 years later, in regards to that Pharisee, if if he had done that, if he had done that, we we would be praising him now. We would be giving him glory. We would have said, look what he did. He did a great thing. He invited our Lord into his house. And there there was this wonderful miracle that happened in his house. And everybody glorified God as a result. Instead of getting into this argument about curing on the Sabbath. And the Pharisee would have had the fame and the glory that he wanted anyway. He would have gotten it. Doesn't this remind us of of that saying of our Lord? He who loses his life for my sake will gain it. He who gains his his life will lose it. This Pharisee had not sought himself. He would have gained fame and glory because he's seeking fame and glory. We now look at him and we say, bad man, selfish man, man who's a hypocrite. 
so too for, for ourselves, my dear faithful. This is what we have to do to God in our lives. We have to say, come into my life. My life is your life. My life is not about me. It's about you. And so I, I surrender my life to you. Do with it what you want. When we do this, it simplifies our life so much and we're so much happier in our lives. Someone might come to me and say, Father, I'm working for this secular company and, and my job is so boring. And I, don't, I don't find any satisfaction in my job. I feel like the work that I do is useless. I mean, I don't have a high-paying job. I'm not interested in the work. I feel like it's useless work. What does God say? Useless to who? Useless to you? Perhaps your job does not give you glory. It doesn't give you satisfaction. Does that mean your job is an obstacle to you giving glory to God? No. It's not. Because your life is not about you. Your useless job can be a very great means to give glory to God. If you direct your work to the glory of God, then you will give God great glory, very great glory. Your useless job has even more potential for giving glory to God than if you were the CEO of Apple. If you had an incredible job where you're making millions, and you were on top of the world, you would be having glory for yourself because you've got an ordinary job. There's a lot of room there for you to give glory to God. You just have to want to use it for that purpose. Father, I'm a sinful man. I have so many faults. Sometimes I tell lies. I'm tempted to sensuality. I'm impatient. I'm ungrateful. I'm selfish. Okay. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. And it's very good that you realize that, but, but what are you going to do about it? Are you going to get depressed and commit another sin? Or are you going to use that to give glory to God? Isn't this as well something that can be used for the glory of God, your own sinfulness? What are you looking for in the recognition of your sinfulness? Are you looking for the time when you're able to say to yourself, I have no sin. I give thanks to God that I am without sin. Finally, I'm without sin. If that's what you're looking for, then you're just looking to give glory to yourself. We will never have a day when we'll be able to say that I have completely conquered my fallen nature and I'm a saint. But God willing, we are in a situation where we can take our sins and we can say to God, here is my weakness, Lord. I offer it to you in all humility. This gives glory to God. Even in our religious acts, we have to be so careful. Father, I go to Mass and or I kneel down to pray my rosary and I feel so dry when I pray. Sometimes I just don't feel the fervor that, that I would like to feel when I'm praying. 
And again, it's one, another one of those situations. What are you looking for when you pray? Are you looking for God's glory? Or are you looking for your glory? Are you looking to feel good about yourself? Or are you looking to pay homage to God? Is it for God to glorify you that you come to Mass? Or for you to glorify God? Can God be glorified in your spiritual dryness? Is it possible to take that spiritual dryness and offer it to Him? And so, pay homage to God. Your coming to Mass is not about you. It is about Him. We are just little creatures who are not able to do anything spiritual on our own. It's up to God when you have that fervor. We dispose ourselves, certainly. But it's up to God to give you that fervor. All that we're talking about here, my dear faithful, is the purity of intention that we must strive to have in all that we do. Have this consciousness that I am made for God. And what do I really want in all the things that I do in my life? Do I really want the glory of God? Is that really what I'm looking for? Or am I looking for something else, something less than that? It's so easy for our pride and our self-love to get mixed in with our good intentions. Especially when things happen that, that are not pleasant for us, we have to remind ourselves what our life is about when the cross comes. Is this something that I can use for the glory of God? In fact, that cross that I have received, this trial that I'm in, this suffering that I have, is the most valuable thing for giving glory to God. It was the thing that was chosen by our Lord Himself to give the most glory to God. And this is why we glorify the cross. We glory in the cross. We put the cross everywhere as Catholics. If your life is about your own glory, then you're in a very difficult situation because there's so many occasions in our lives when we're not able to serve our own glory. It just doesn't work out. Things don't line up. Things have to line up very well very fortuitously for for our own glory to be served. But if your life is about the glory of God, there's some very wonderful news for all of us. And, And that is, no matter what you're doing, no matter how ordinary it is, no matter how imperfectly you do it, all of it can be directed towards the glory of God through your intention. I just want to point out the um, the beauty of our liturgy, our traditional Mass. Our traditional Mass that, that we cling to is, is so careful that to, to, to direct our intentions towards God. This traditional Mass that we cling to is soaked with this consciousness of who we are as little creatures and who God is as our Creator. This Mass is about God. It's definitely about God. The new Mass, we we seriously question whether it's actually about God. And it's not just about the community and and people just sort of patting themselves on the back and using religion as a means to do that. This Mass does not seek to gratify you, but it seeks to provide you a context in which you have the awareness that you are a creature of God, that you are a child of God, that you are made to worship and pay homage to God and to fulfill your desires, those, those desires 
that, that we have if we're able to, to tap into that state of innocence, that state of, of the child before his heavenly father. This is what this mass is made for. It, it allows us to be what we are, little creatures desiring to worship the good God, give glory to the infinite God who created us. So we, we should come to mass to become children once more and cut through all the complexities of our life to see this one important thing. I made for God. My life is not about me. It's about Him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.